0: Welcome to the IC Made On podcast. We are so glad that you've chosen to listen online. If you would like to know more about who we are, why we exist, our service times and location, or how you can get involved, then check out our website at icmadeon.com. We hope you enjoy the message today. All right. Woo! Man, that is so awesome. Man, that... The, the thing to keep in mind and the moral of the whole story is if God makes a promise to you, just hang on to it because he's going to do something. What, what we see now, God promised me and Carrie this back in 2006. We held on to that promise for eight years before we ever launched the church. And now, look, we have a family, we have a community, and we couldn't do it by ourselves. So I haven't been able to do this all day, but could I ask all the Dream Teamers that are in here to stand up? Everyone, all the Dream Team that are, that are here for this service, would you guys stand up? Man, can we give our team a hand? They've done such an amazing job. Some are outside. Some of these guys have been here all day long. I know because I've been here all day long, and I've seen a lot of them here with me. Uh, I was just drinking a Pocari before service because it feels like it's Oloraga, you know, like <laughs> the fifth service, I'm drinking Pocari and you know, ready to go. Hey, hey, I feel more excited right now than I did at the first service this morning. So I'm 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 ready for this. I'm excited. Man, celebrating 4 years and all that God has done in 4 years and also launching into year number 5 with expectation and you know part of my job is just dreaming about the future, asking God for direction and vision. I like to do that anyway. I love that this week Pastor Adam reminded me that that's part of your job. Like something happened and I was like, "Man, I'm just going to go sit somewhere and just just dream about this." He's like, "That's your job, man." I was like, yeah. "I love my job, but that's I we have to have vision so that God can do something. So I just ask God for vision." And I just sit and dream about the possibilities. And this year, there is so much for year number five. There's already so much that's in here and in here that I can't even share with everyone, but that God is going to do. And it's just going to be exciting. Um, my family and I have been in Indonesia for 15 years. God, yes, thank you, thank you. Uh, I left the U.S. when I was five years old, and I've been here for 15 years, and no, yeah. So, no, but in 2001, we felt like God was calling us to ministry in Indonesia, and it was May of 2003 when we finally landed in Surabaya, Soroboyo, if we have any uh, of our Javanese brothers and sisters here, and man, we... We're just so excited. Nemo that was singing earlier was two years old when we first came. Uh, It's why Carrie and Gabriel are still in the U.S., but the whole time we've been in the U.S., Nemo was like, when are you buying me a ticket back home? You know, Uh, when he's there, he looks like he's home, but this is home, you know? And so Nemo couldn't wait to get back, and he actually left before I left to come back here. And I go back to the U.S. on Tuesday to continue some ministry through the end of October. And Nemo said he's not going back with me. He's staying here. So um, he's, he's just ready to be here. But we've done ministry all over and, and loved being able to be a part of what God's doing in Indonesia. But all of those years, just to say this, the last five years have been the best years of my life. I mean, the, the first year of building a small group and, and turning this small group into a launch team and then launching the church and the four years of pastoring the church. It's such an honor and a joy for me to be your pastor. I mean, it, this church is a life-giving church. You know, if, if it wasn't, I would leave, you know. <laughs> but it's life-giving. I mean, people tell us all the time. They they come in here, and, and it feels like they can breathe. It feels like they see what what Jesus meant for church to be. They see family and community and us Working together and gathering together and mobilizing and going out to take the good news to the streets of Maidon. Not bad news. Not the news of telling everyone what they're doing wrong. It's good news that we're taking. Hey, there's hope for you. There's, there's peace in the name of Jesus. There's salvation in his name. We have that privilege that we get to take what Jesus has done in our life to people that are waiting to hear that news. So, man, just to say the last, the last five years have been the best And it's such a joy too. I told our dream team Wednesday night, we had heart and soul, which is our dream team night. And it's really like a party, you know, I normally call it a meeting because it sounds like we're working, but it's, it's a party and we celebrate and we, we talk about the wins that what, what God is doing and, and how many people have gotten saved and baptisms and recommitments. And we just celebrate all that together. And I was talking to the team about special moments. And I believe this is the same for every single one of you in this room. You're living in a special moment right now. This is a special time, a special moment, a time that God has brought all of us here together at this place, at this time. It's all—it's God-directed. It's with purpose. It's a special moment. Often in special moments, we don't realize we're in it at the time. How many of you have ever Years later, looked back at your life and thought, man, that was a special moment. I wish I, I, wish I realized it while I was in it. So it's such a joy. Uh, I feel like right now God's given me the privilege of living in a special moment and knowing it. Every day is special. And I want you to realize that you in, live in your special moment now. Turn to someone around you and say, this is a special moment. Turn to someone else and tell them, you are special. Somebody needs to hear that today. You are special. This is a special moment. We can live in special moments right now. I think we can live the best days of our life right now. I mean, why not? Why always wait for the best days? You ever notice we're always waiting for the best days? I want to live the best days right now. I feel like these are the best days of my life. If it gets better, that's just a bonus. But this this could be it for me, and I would be like, man, God, this was an awesome life. I love it. We can live those moments now. And, uh, man, I'm excited about this message. This is something that's, uh, I'm sharing a parable or a story that Jesus told that's been in my heart for the last maybe two months now. And I just keep thinking about it. And I, I just think this is the heart of Icy Maidon. It's the heart of, of God. And I think this is the heart of what this church is about. And that's why I want to share it today, celebrating our four-year anniversary, reminding us what the heart of the church is. And I don't think just this church. I think when Jesus says this, he means this is what he wants his church to be like. This is what he wants his people to be like. This uh, parable is found in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 10, verses 25 through 37. And Jesus tells this story that an expert in the law came to him to test him, and he says, Jesus, or he said, teacher, he's questioning Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He's sort of asking a question that probably most of you in this room have asked before, maybe in different words, what must I do to inherit eternal life, what must I do to get to heaven, what must I do to be saved, you know, we've asked, what, what do we need to do? So Jesus says to him, what is written in the law, how do you read it? The man answered, "Love the Lord your God with all your mind, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself you have you have answered correctly, Jesus replied, Do this, and you will live. Then it says, But the man wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? You know, that part can be confusing, but The reason the man is wanting to justify himself is because he knows he doesn't love all people. He loves some people. He doesn't love all people. And to be honest, he doesn't really want to have to love all people. He wants Jesus to narrow it down. Who do I have to love? Oh, love your neighbor. You know, they had the same thought of the word neighbor, the same definition that probably many of us in here have. Oh, your neighbor, it's your Tatanga dekat, right? As someone I know, they're like me. They look like me. They speak like me. They think like me. Believe like me. I can love those people. So they're like me, but Jesus is going to change the definition of neighbor, and he's going to challenge this man. It wasn't just, hey, love people like you. Jesus was saying something else. So he answers the man by telling a story. He says, a man was going down a road from Jerusalem to Jericho. The man's traveling, and he's attacked by robbers. They beat him. They take everything he has, even stripping his clothes, and leave him laying there on the side of the street, robbed and dying, and just leave him there. Then Jesus is telling this story, and he says, a priest happens to be going down the same road. The audience that Jesus was talking to had to be thinking, okay, here's the hero coming. The priest is going to walk by. He'll save the man. But Jesus says the priest walks by and and sees the man laying there, hurting and in need, dying and needing someone to help him, and the priest walks on the other side of the road. He doesn't stop. Jesus continues. Here comes the second man. So also a Levite came to the place And saw The people had to be thinking, okay, here's another religious man passing by. Surely he's going to stop and help the man. But the Levite, it says, saw him, and he also walked on the other side of the road. He didn't stop. He didn't help the man. Jesus says, but a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. Probably the audience was thinking, oh, a Samaritan, the man's going to die. The Jewish people didn't like the Samaritans. They were probably thinking, man, if the priest and the Levite didn't help him, the Samaritan's going to do nothing. This guy's doomed. But Jesus telling this story says, the Samaritan, when he saw the man, he took pity on him. He had compassion. He valued him. He bent down. He bandaged up his wounds. He poured oil and wine on the wounds, picked the man up, placed him on his own donkey, and brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii, and if you'd like to know the meaning of things, two denarii is equal to double one denarii. Okay. Just That's funny, guys. I'm sorry. I couldn't help that. He took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Man, he really, he went above and beyond. Even the best people among us here today may have thought, hey, I would have stopped too. I would have helped him. But man, taking him to the end and saying, even when he gets well, don't give him the bill. Give me the bill. I'll take full responsibility. I'll pay for all of it. Don't charge him anything. I mean, just think about how this guy going above and beyond. So Jesus asks the man then, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him, the one who valued him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. I love how Jesus really makes following him simple. It's not a hard thing. There's not like a whole list. Remember, Pastor Tim was talking last week of, of all the commandments that that the Jewish people even added to the 10 commandments. And Jesus was like, "Hey, forget about all that. I can I can sum it all up in just two things. What do you want to how do you get saved? What do you do to get to heaven? How do you inherit eternal life? Love God 100%. With with your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength, all of your being love God and love people." Who? That's what the man was saying. Love what people? But what if they're not Christian? Love them. What if they don't don't go to my church? Love them. What if they do bad things? Love them. Jesus was saying, hey, love God and love people, all people. Value them. Care for them. I was thinking this week about a story. Can we put up this picture of this crazy looking thing? Like, I don't know why this story was in my mind when I was thinking of the Good Samaritan, but I was just thinking about being lost or being in trouble or being in need. Man, this is from a place called Showbiz Pizza back in the 80s when I was a kid. This is where all the kids went for their birthday parties in the U.S., You went there, there's pizza, your your mom would bring a cake and you'd have the bring your friends, have a party there, eating pizza, video games everywhere, you know, like skee ball and stuff like that, and and the air hockey and every video game you can imagine. You just play games, then your mom would call you to the table, you run into the the little little like party room and, and sit at the table to have pizza, and then the curtains would open up and this band was sitting there. Like animatronic gorilla and bear and this, this uh, cheerleader mouse and a bird. and It's terrifying. Like the curtain would open up and they come out. They start singing. Look at this next picture of the gorilla. Can you imagine? You're having your six-year-old birthday party and the curtain opens and they start singing happy birthday. Ah! They're like, Chris, do you want to go back to showbiz for your birthday next year? Got no. It's scary. That's terrifying. Well, we were at Showbiz Pizza, and I got busy playing the video games and and wandering off to this game and that game. And then I looked around, and I couldn't find my mom. Have any of you ever gotten lost when you were a kid? I, I was lost. I couldn't find my mom. I'm scared. I'm in this place. It seemed huge. If I go back to Showbiz now, I just look around. It's like a room like this. I'm like, how in the world was I lost? It's different when you can see over everything. When you're a kid, like, all you could see is is the video games. Like, where's my mom? And plus, I knew there's a giant singing gorilla in the place. I'm terrified. I'm lost. I'm terrified. I can't find my mom. So I went to the, the front desk and said, I'm lost. I can't find my mom. And they're like, what's your name? We'll call your mom for you. So I give my mom's name. Then it's that embarrassing moment when they announce over the speaker of the entire place. Could the mom of Christopher Brian Duncan, like, like Gary saying my name, could the mom of Chris Duncan come to the front, please? We have found your lost son. Oh, gosh. It doesn't matter how old you are. That's embarrassing. The mom of Chris Duncan. Could Chris Duncan's mommy please come here? Oh, man. But I was just, when she came, I was just so happy to be found. And, you know, my mom wasn't mad at me. She was happy to find me. She hadn't been lost. I had been lost. She wasn't mad. As a matter of fact, she was proud of me that I went to someone that could call her. It was such an, an awesome experience, and it, 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 helps me, it helps teach me something about God and how he is when people are lost. He's not mad that someone gets lost, you know. He's just happy to find them. When I, I think about these stories, when I'm trying to imagine how could the priest and the Levite walk past this man dying on the street? How could they walk past him? Now, maybe they were thinking, hey, this guy deserves it. He doesn't go to my temple. Maybe if he had been in my temple last, last weekend, this wouldn't have happened to him. Maybe the Levite was singing, well, if he was holy like me, surely this wouldn't happen. Maybe they thought he had been out there and this happened at night before they walked past. And, well, he shouldn't have been there. It's his problem. God doesn't look at us like that. He doesn't blame us for being lost. He's just trying to find us. I think about that with my mom. She was just happy to find me. And when we think about this man and think about the lost people outside of the church, people that are lost, people that are hurting, people that are in need, maybe they don't know how to cry out to God. Maybe they don't know who they're supposed to call. They just need someone to help. They need someone to say, hey, do you want me to call God for you? Someone to say, hey, I'll help you out. You don't have to be ashamed. You don't have to be embarrassed. We have opportunities like that every day all over the streets of Maidon. Maybe not physically hurt, but people hurting, and there they are. And we can't just walk past like the priest and the Levite. Another story I was thinking about, when I was 16, I had a bad car crash. In the U.S., you get your driver's license at 16 years old. So I had just gotten my driver's license. I borrowed my dad's Jeep Cherokee. It was such a cool car. I, lo- I liked it, you know. it's back in the 90s. I borrowed his car. I went out with some friends. And then I took them home, and I was driving home, and I was out too late. I, I was past my curfew. So I'm driving extra fast. On the interstate, it's like a- the toll road here. You can go a lot faster. I was going... Maybe 70 miles per hour, which is like, it's like 112 kilometers per hour. I was really driving. And I get anyone else get sleepy. It, it's not bad if you're sleepy as the passenger. I get sleepy when I'm driving the car. I was going 112 kilometers per hour and fell asleep. And I don't mean the sleep like some of you guys do in church sometime. Like, amen, amen, amen. Not that kind of sleep. I, no one in here. Not the 5 p.m. crowd, but you know what I'm talking about. I'm not blaming anyone. If you're comfortable to sleep, sleep. It's okay. But not that kind of sleep. I mean, I was just like curled up. I'm the one driving. I'm just like curled up. I was, I was completely out. There was no waking up or anything. When I finally did wake up, I was driving across the lanes. I was, I was like, what happened? You know that feeling? So I turned the wheel really quick to try to correct the car. And I turned it too quick, too fast, and the car started flipping. I mean, three or four times. It felt like slow motion. You know, if you've ever felt like you're in a movie scene, it's like felt like I could see everything. I could hear the radio. I know what song was playing. It was the craziest experience. And then it landed, boom, upside down. The car smashed. The doors smashed. I couldn't open the doors. The passenger side was completely collapsed. My friend was lucky I dropped them off. I had my seatbelt on, so I'm upside down hanging by my seatbelt, and I just unclaps my seatbelt, fall on the ceiling, and I had to crawl out of the back of the car. And I wasn't hurt. I mean, thank God. I think even then when I didn't know him, maybe he had his hand on me, like, I'm going to give you another chance. And I think he did that several times in my life. I'm going to give you another chance. Okay, another chance. Okay, one more. All right, this is it. No, Okay, one you know how God is. He's just so good to us. I could have just died then. All I had was one cut on my leg. And I walked down to the street, and this car, it was late at night, probably midnight or later, so there's no traffic. But one car happens to drive along, and the guy was like, hey, are you okay? Do you need me to call someone for you? Because this was back in the dark ages with no handphones, you know. Uh, so he couldn't. When he said, do you want me to call someone, he meant – I'll drive and look for a phone and put coins in the phone and call. You know, does anyone, has anyone seen those antique phones from, uh, they're probably in time capsules now, you know. Now, even if you're the one in the crash, you, you stumble out to the street and someone's like, should I call someone? No, I got it. Hey, I'm hurt. You know, because we all have phones. I had nothing. So I said, yeah, will you call my dad? So he drives, calls my dad. My dad comes back. I was scared to death to talk to my dad about this. I could tell, I'm not a mechanic, but I could tell from the look of his car upside down that it was finished. I mean, it was smashed up. I had crawled out the back, you know, and uh, he was moving his office from Atlanta, Georgia, to Birmingham, Alabama, the city we were in. So he had a lot of his office equipment in the back of his car, office keys phones, all of that was scattered all over the street for like a long way back. I don't know why my dad had so many keys. There's like hundreds of keys everywhere and a dozen phones and and papers, just everything was gone. I was like, oh my gosh, my dad's gonna be so mad. So he he pulls up, he runs up to me to see if I'm okay and I'm, I'm trying to say, I'm sorry about the car and he's like, hey, I don't care about the car, I just care about you and he just hugged me he said, let me just get you home. When I got home, they, they rinsed off my leg and bandaged me up. There wasn't a moment of him saying, hey, you know you shouldn't have been out too late. Of course he didn't say, you know you, you shouldn't fall asleep driving. Who needs to be told that? Like, I knew that part. But, they, but none of that. He's like, I don't care about the car. I care about you, and I'm glad you're okay. Let me get you home. And that's how God is. Do you know, I was, I was just counting this up yesterday. That was 26 years ago. 26 years ago, and my dad has never once brought up that car. It wasn't something that he just kept there for the next time I did something wrong. He's like, oh, you're going to do that? Remember you destroyed my car? You know, those little memories you save in your pocket? Oh, that's really bad. It's like the time you destroyed my car. Never. 26 years, never brought up the car. He didn't care about the car. What he valued was me. And I think about that and how our Father in Heaven is. That's how He is for us. He doesn't care how we got in the mess that we're in. He, he doesn't care how we got into our problem. He just wants to help us. He wants to bring us back home. Like the Samaritan man, when he sees the guy laying there, he didn't care how we got there. He didn't care who he was. He didn't stop and bend down and say, Bang, darimana asanya. You know, he didn't ask that, you know. It didn't matter where he was from, you know. Oh, from where? Okay, never mind. No, no, it didn't matter. It didn't matter what his status was, bang? No, it didn't matter. Nothing mattered. He just saw a man in need, and like Jesus was saying, value all people. He just bent down and said, hey, I'm here. You know, the guy had to be terrified beaten, everything taken, and here's this Samaritan, the priest has walked past him, the Levite has walked past him, and here's the Samaritan that that should have been the bad guy in the story, no one liked the Samaritans, but he bent down, and the guy's like, I'm all alone, I've been laying here so long, people just walk by, no one cares, say, you're not alone anymore, I'm here, everything's been taken, they've even stripped my clothes from me. Don't worry, I'll cover you. I'm hurt. Don't worry, I'll care for you. I can't even get up. I can't walk on my own. It's okay, I'll carry you. And he picks the man up. Man, how much is that like Jesus is for us? He doesn't care what, I don't care how you got there. I can't get back up. Here, let me carry you. And the man carries him. He takes care of the man until he can walk on his own feet again. It's a beautiful picture of how we're supposed to live our lives. It's a beautiful picture of how the church is supposed to see the people outside of the church. We don't care how anyone got in their situation. We don't care who they are, where they're from, what language they speak, what religion they are. Jesus just said, go and love them. Go and love them. If you see someone in need, bend down and help them up. Say, what can I do? Man, I think about those stories of my parents. They didn't care what happened. They were just so happy. Hey, I've got you now. I'm going to get you home. Here's three things quickly that I think we need that the Samaritan man had. Number one, we need God-directed vision. As Christians, as the church, if our vision is not directed by God, we're going to be like that priest. I mean, that was a church-going man, right? That was the leader of the church. Oh, there's someone in need. I'm busy, I'm doing God's work. The Levite man coming by, I'm late for worship practice, I don't have time. No, he's not like me, I'm gone. Never seen him at my church. We have to have God-directed vision. Somehow the Samaritan man saw him and nothing else mattered anymore. God directed his vision. It means there were three people in that story and any one of them could have been the hero. I mean, actually, I would assume that God's intention was the priest to come by and be the hero. That's the first guy. He had the opportunity. The priest is coming through. The guy that that Jesus wants to represent him passes by. Think about that for a moment. In our life every day, we have opportunities to make a difference. Some of you have the shirts on. Man, those look so good. We have an opportunity every single day. If you wake up in the morning and you have breath, that means that there's some purpose in that day. That means that, that God will direct your vision if you just ask him. Man, when you wake up and breathe, God, direct my vision today. Maybe you're like me, you need to have coffee first. Just wake up, breathe. <laughs> <laughs> then baru out of purpose, right? Like, <laughs> however you are. But every day, man, don't miss a day. Live in the moments now. Every single day, you could say, God, direct my vision today. Don't let me walk past someone in need. Don't let me miss what you're doing. I shared um, our last message here before Carrie and I went home. We were talking about vision. And we were talking about that verse that says, without vision, the people perish. The message version says, Without knowing or without seeing what God is doing, people stumble all over themselves. We have to see what God is doing. Even as, even as the church, even as pastors, even as Christians, we need to say, God, what are you doing? Or we will just stumble along doing our programs and doing our projects and doing church and not being the church. This story is basically Jesus saying, I don't care about your going to church. What I care about is, are you going to be the church to the people that need you. God-directed vision. We have to have that. If you ask, I promise you, if you wake up tomorrow and ask God, God, direct my vision today, he'll show you something, and you'll be able to do great things. The second thing is, and this is the problem I think two of those men had, we have to have God-shaped values. We have to let God shape our values. That's what this whole parable is about. Jesus was saying, Here's what's important to God, that you love him 100% and that you value people, all people. Jesus teaching that, he, he wants us to know we, we represent him. We should have his values. We need to know what's most important to God. We don't need the world's values. Oh, I'm all about fame and fortune and me first. That's the world. Jesus said, hey, can we have the type of values that we will forget about our plans and our dreams and what we want to do maybe even forget about our own happiness or comfort because we value someone else to stop and help them and when when i come back to indonesia now i have two grown kids that live in the us if i didn't value the people of this city if i didn't value you because i'll tell you it's hard to leave my daughter's there my older sons there it gets harder and harder. I don't get to have Sunday lunch with my mom because God told me to come here and, and, and I'm here because I value people. It costs you something to value people. It's not like, well, it would be more comfortable if I lived near my mom and, and I could go see her every day. My brother lives in the same city. Carrie's mom, you guys met her when she was here. Our family's really close back home except for us because God told us, hey, I want you to go do something else. Will you stop all this and go do something else for me? It costs something to value people. Maybe the priest didn't want to get his robes dirty. Maybe the Levite didn't want to get blood on his hands. But the Samaritan was going somewhere too, and nothing mattered anymore. Like when Jesus talks about a man with a hundred sheep. He says, if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what does he do? Doesn't he... Leave the 99 and go find the one. That was Jesus's illustration to us. It's exactly what the Samaritan man did. Whatever is important to me down the road, wherever I'm going, right now all that I value is this man because he needs me and I'm right here. Do you know in your life right now, you may have them in your mind right now, in your circle of influence, in your life, there's people that need you. There's people there right now That all you have to do is say, God, direct my vision. And if you have the values that Jesus is teaching, you'll see them and think, man, I do know there's someone in my life that's struggling right now. Maybe I could call them up and just say, hey, do you want to go have a coffee? Maybe there's someone that you could help. There's someone in your life right now that needs you. All you have to do is, is value them enough to take a moment, bend down, and help them back up. The third thing is this. and Let me ask the worship team to come up. When you value people, you have to make room for them. When you value people, you have to make room. I call this God-sized vacancies. I like the idea of vacancy. You know, like in front of a hotel, it might have a flashing neon sign that says vacancy, showing that there's room, showing, hey, you're welcome here. There's a place for you. When you value people, you have to make vacancies in your life. It's why we shifted everything around today. We not only had five services, we changed the times of all of them. That way not one service seemed like, oh, this one's not special. No, let, let's just jumble it all up. How many of you were confused today? When do I go to church? I've been confused all day. I don't know what time it is right now. I don't know which service I'm in. You know, I was just, I, all day I've been like, what time do I end this one? Because everything's changed. But the message we wanted to give to people outside is, hey, there's a vacancy. There's room for you. We're making room. Come on in. Well, I, I may not believe like everyone there. Just come on in first. I, I, don't, I don't feel like I look like everyone else. Come on in. Maybe like this person feeling like I'm, I'm dirty. I need to get cleaned up first. No, just come like you are. Jesus values you right now. Just come on in. When I look around this room right now, there's still some empty seats. Here's what I want you to see when you see empty seats, because it's what I see. I think of people in my life that should be sitting there. Not because they should be in church, because that's what you do, but because they need this. Because they need a touch from God. I know people in my life that need some hope they could be sitting right there. I know some people in my life that that don't have peace. They could be sitting right there. When you look around and see these seats, think about people in your family. You're like, man, I wish they could be sitting here with me, hearing about how much God loves them. Think about friends, maybe at work or at school. You're like, man, I could have brought them and had them right here. Bring them back. Take some time. Invite them. There's vacancies. We've made the vacancies here. We're we're making it clear out there, hey, there's a place for you. This can be your home. Just come just like you are. We're not going to ask where you're from. We're not going to ask what your background is. We don't care what you've done or where you've been. What we care about is your present and your future, and we want to be a part of it. This is a family, and it's a beautiful thing when God can make family. Here's where you need vacancies. You need vacancies in your schedule. You don't need to be so busy. Who knows, maybe the priest and the Levite didn't even have bad feelings toward that guy. Maybe they were just so busy. I got to go. I got to go. I want to do something great with my life, but I'm too busy. I got to be somewhere. We got to make vacancies. You've got to have time so that God can work. You need more rest. How many of you say amen to that? You need more time for rest. And no one has FOMO like us in Madon. Fear of missing out. We have FOMO here, all of us. I mean, you could be exhausted. I know Nemo, he could be at home, exhausted, falling asleep, and someone's like, hey, do you want to go have uh, have some noodles and play games? All right, I'll be right there. Right, Iman? I can't miss it. I can't miss it. It's probably Iman that calls him. You need more rest, some vacancies, some time, so... Not only so God can, can direct you so you can do great things, but so he can have time to talk to you and do something in your life. We can't be so busy. We need vacancies in our budget. Man, there's so many of us like, man, I wish I could give to that. I wish I could help this person. So many of us, our budgets are to- so tight. If we saw someone laying there, we'd be like, hey, I would help you, but, but I can't afford to pay the innkeeper. You know, maybe I can uang and i 'll be right back you know we don 't have you know maybe you, you're, you're during your day you see someone and' you're like, man, I really wish I could buy their lunch, but i don't have any vacancy in my budget. We need to make adjustments so there's room so you can buy someone a coffee if, if you wanted to say you know someone in your life that needs to talk you want to be able to attract earer when you invite them to coffee right you want to go have coffee with me sometimes we're afraid to invite people to do something because We don't want to have to pay for it. I don't have any vacancy. How about vacancies in our hearts? Do you have enough room in your heart for another friend? You know, we all have our groups. This is my group I watch the movies with. This is who I play games with. This is who I go and eat noodles with. Hey, here's someone that needs a friend. Yeah, but my group's kind of perfect. What if they mess up my group? It kind of flows right now. We don't have any vacancy for a new friend. What if you could just open it up and you see one person like, you know what? They don't have a group. Do you have room to just invite them in? Hey, you want to go play games with us? You want to go watch a movie? You want to go have coffee? There's people just waiting for that. There's people all over this city that feel like that man laying on the street, dying, everything taken away, no joy, no peace, no hope for a future, Meanwhile, they see church people just walking past them every day. I don't have time for you. Some of us have been there before. There's no more lonely place than feeling like no one, I'm dying and no one even cares. And Jesus said, hey, I want my church to be the people that would bend down and help them up. No questions asked. Let me help you get back on your feet. Would you guys stand with me, please? Let's just close our eyes and just imagine this story for a moment. Think about what God is speaking to you right now. You know, the reason God can speak to us in church and and in worship so much is because we've set this time aside. This is sort of a place where we've said, God, here, I've, I've made a vacancy for you to talk to me. Unfortunately, sometimes it's just that one hour a week when we need him every single day think about this story and and what God's saying I know when I when I hear stories I often relate to some character in it maybe I connect with someone in the story or maybe there's there's someone that I feel like hey that that reminds me of me right now what character in this story do you relate with? what character do you identify with with our eyes closed would you raise your hand maybe you're like gosh I, I hate to admit it but I feel like I relate to that priest and the Levite. I know God. I've known him for years. I want to do great things for God, but I've just gotten busy. I've gotten distracted by life. And I know I'm passing by people every single day. I know people in my life that that have been contacting me and saying, hey, can we hang out and talk? And I just haven't made any vacancy for them. I know people that that I could offer some hope to. I know some people that I could bring some joy to. But like the priest and Levite, I just didn't have time. I couldn't be bothered. If that's you today, let me just pray for you. Father, we recognize that sometimes we get busy and fail you. Lord, I don't think anyone in this room would be the type that would pass someone by because they're not like them or because they're they're from somewhere else or because they speak different. I think we just get busy. I think life just distracts us. And before we know it, a year has gone by and we think back, what did I accomplish this year? Whose life did I touch? Lord, help us to not be like the priests and Levite anymore. Lord, forgive us for the times we've missed out, but from this moment on, will you direct our vision? We need God-directed vision. Lord, as a church, as the church as a whole, Lord, we ask your forgiveness when we have missed out. And when the lost and dying world has seen us walk past and felt like we don't even care about them, Lord, we ask that you would forgive us. Make us the church that you wanted us to be. Lord, let the church be like this Samaritan man. To have God-shaped values that we would be moved by the things that move your heart. Maybe you're here today and you feel like, man, I feel good. I feel like I relate to the Samaritan. I would have stopped. Things are good with me and God right now. Man, He's done something in my life. He saved me. He rescued me. Maybe you're sitting here and you're like, man, I'm on fire for God. I want to do more. If only I had more talents more skills, more giftings. If only I had more resources. I see people all the time. I wish I could take them out for lunch. I I see them at the restaurants and I want to pay their bill. God, if I just had more money, I would do it. Father, I pray for anyone in this room that's, that's in that place. Lord, I pray that you would open up the floodgates of heaven. Lord, that you would give to them so they can give more. That you would give more time so they could give more time to others. That you would give more finances so they can be a, a blessing to others. There's no greater way to be blessed than to ask God to bless someone else. Lord, when we say bless me so I can bless others. Maybe you're here today and you're related to the man laying there dying on the street. The man that fell all alone. No one cares. Maybe you found your way into church and it's been a rough week. You're like, man, I just barely made it in here. I don't even know why I'm here. I don't know if anyone even sees me. I'm in a crowded room and I still feel all alone. I want you to know that you're not alone anymore. Just like that Samaritan man didn't have to be alone, you're not alone anymore. You have family. We've been brought together for this special moment. We're a family. We're a community. We have each other's back. No one in this room ever has to walk alone again. If you need help, someone's right there. And it's awesome enough that God cares about you. But what about the fact that you're in a room full of people that care about you? If you need help, you just have to look to the left or the right and say, hey, can we talk this week? I just need a friend. I just need someone to help me. I feel like I I can't get up on my feet. I keep struggling with the same things. Will you help carry me till I can make it? Father, I pray for anyone that relates to that man today. Lord, that you would restore them. That in this service, as you've been speaking to their heart, Lord, as they've felt themselves surrounded by your love, Lord, that you would restore their peace, their joy, their hope. Lord, that you would restore their rest. I know some people have just felt so tired. Man, I'm just tired. I'm just exhausted. I'm just tired of life. I never seem to get anywhere. God, restore rest. Lord, I pray that no one in this place would leave feeling alone again. But that the encouragement that you give is not only are you always with them, but we have a family that's there to support us and to help us up. Lord, I'm thankful for your words. I'm thankful for everything you've done in this church up to this point. But I'm more excited about the next year. I'm more excited about the future. Lord, we ask that you would direct us. Give us your vision. Give us your values. And help us to make vacancies. Bless your people tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.